just love just being standing on the sled behind my dogs. I'm just hearing the, the sled gliding over the snow, the dogs panting and yeah, knowing that they are having the time of their life and, and, and me too, like just looking around you, seeing the nature. As you can tell, we're featuring wilderness husky dog sledding and I'm delighted to be joined by Sanne Kowenhoven from Swedish Lapland. Firstly, welcome to the Wildlife and Wilderness Travel and Safaris Show, the world's first and only podcast on wildlife safaris worldwide and sustainable tourism to our planet's wild places. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Banner, biologist and director of the travel company Wildlife and Wilderness, providing high quality holiday experiences to thousands of clients for almost 25 years. Before we get started, I'd like to give a quick shout out to Hutton, who sent a delightful email about our microcast with the Dawn Chorus from Akagera National Park in Rwanda. Thanks Hutton, and we're glad you enjoyed it so much. If you want to get in touch, send us an email to podcasts at wildlifewilderness.com or visit our website at wildlifewilderness.com. As you may have heard in a previous podcast, I was due to head north to Lapland just before the lockdown. Not being able to get there, we were keen to bring you something from the snowy wilderness before the end of the winter season. And dog sledding is perhaps one of the best ways to discover yourself and experience nature at this time of the year in the far north. So let's get started. Sana is Dutch and initially went on holiday to Finland before ending up with a complete change of lifestyle. And now she runs one of Swedish Lapland's dog sledding companies, dedicated to giving guests first class private experiences on husky tours. Hi, I'm Sanna Kauenhofer from Yellow Snow Husky Tours. Um, I'm here from Sweden, Swedish Lapland. Uh, it's still winter out here and uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you a bit more about dog sledding. That's great. I think we know what prompted you to move north and obviously it was the dogs. How did you first get involved with the huskies? Um, it's 12 years ago already. Uh, together with my husband Erik, we went on a holiday, five days dog sledding in Finland. And we fell in love. It was it was great, and we decided we want to move back. We want to do this more. Uh, we want to work there for a season, but yeah, we're still here. So, <laughs> how how soon after the first trip did you get back then? The same season or next year? Uh, no, it was one and a half years later. Yeah, I was still studying, so I decided I want to get my bachelor, and yeah, and then we go on adventure and see what happens to our lives. <laughs> And you uh, started guiding after that then, up in Finland still at the time? Yes, yes. The yes, we went back to the same farm we had, uh, we were on a holiday. And the first year I was a dog handler and all rounder and helped with cooking and cleaning and taking care of the dogs and helping the guides. And the year after I went guiding and since then I've been guiding the dog sledding tours. Uh, two different companies, first in Finland for three years. And after that, we were moved to North Sweden. We worked there for another three years. And two years ago, we, we started our own company. And how difficult was that move into starting your own business? Presumably you started with no dogs and... So, yeah, we had three, three dogs already. So, but that's not <laughs> that's so not much, you need a, sled, a few more. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. So it, but at some point it was a quite a natural step for us. Um, you have your own ideas about dog care, about guiding, about tours. And we wanted to follow these ideas and dreams. 
and our dream was to create a small company, a small pack of dogs, uh, small groups, and yeah, focus on the longer tours and focus on our guests and dogs and yeah, instead of only making money and and having a very commercial company. So we decided to follow these dreams and. That's where you are. How yeah. many dogs do you have now then? We have 33 dogs. Three of them are retired and uh, six of them were born last year. So they will be running next year, but they're still yeah puppies <laughs> in our eyes. <laughs> Apart from breeding your own dogs, you buy the dogs, other dogs in from other dog sledding companies, presumably. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. Um, it's it's very hard to create a pack from from zero. And we knew how important it was to to buy the right dogs, spend time on them and spend money on them. Um, because if you have some rotten apples in a pack, they can make it very hard for you. They like you have bad behavior and next to them you have puppies growing up and they learn from them. So we, we knew we need to buy the right dogs and spend a lot of time. And we were very lucky we could buy a few dogs from the previous company, the last company where we worked. And we knew them, they knew us. And from then we created connections, got a few more dogs, grew the company and yeah, uh, bred ourselves. That's great. Got puppies. Uh, can you give us some idea of the amount of equipment that goes along with, besides having a dog and the kennels for them and all your kennels will be outdoors because the Huskies need to live <laughs> outside. So you've got all the kindling, yep. but the the amount or the degree of equipment and the types of equipment that you need for running the dogs, it's not a simple procedure, is it? Uh, no, you need a lot. I mean, you can start with very little if you want to do this yourself. You can you can run a dog in front of a bike or run behind them um, or, or buy a small sled. But because we are going out with guests and yeah, you need safe <laughs> equipment and you need a lot of it. <laughs> so yeah, well, you need sleds, you need the dryland vehicles to train the dogs in the autumn. Uh, you need the harnesses, ropes, lines, booties for the dog feet. Uh, a trailer for all the dogs. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of things. <laughs> it grows and grows and grows as the business grows. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and on top of that, you actually have a relatively short season for dog sledding, basically from probably about December through till, well, at best now in April. Um, what happens in the off season when there's no snow then? Yeah. So from May to August, we we have a holiday. The dogs have a holiday. Uh, Eric and I, my husband and I, we're still trying to get some income doing the odd job here and there. Uh, we do the renovations in the kennel um, and in the house, but our dogs, they can be very lazy. <laughs> and actually they enjoy this. <laughs> you, you don't believe it. Like they're very active animals, but they enjoy being lazy if it's so warm. It's way too warm from that for them in the summer. Uh, we have a very big free running yard. Uh, next to the lake and we let them out we they can play they can sunbathe they can run through the water or swim uh, we cuddle with them uh, so it's very fun <laughs> for them i think that's some holiday <laughs> um, and yeah sometimes we go out for walks in the forest yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> may till august so yeah. so come september the business end starts up again they've got to start training i guess Exactly. It, if it's colder in the summer as well, and when the autumn starts, then you see that the dogs want to be active. So even in a colder summer, we maybe start a bit earlier with training them. We go out uh, for short runs. We have the dryland vehicle and they pull us through the forest. 
and in the autumn it's serious business we need to get them fit for the winter season we train them three to four times a week and increase the distance so yeah once winter starts they're they're fit to run 30 40 kilometers uh, per day and how much how much would you build up from what would be a short run and what would be a good run out for them closer to the season like a short run would be like three four kilometers um, and then we build it up till 20 25 kilometers on dry land usually yeah yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes a bit longer maybe we go on camping trips and then yeah you try to increase that distance a bit um, but yeah yeah. So that, that's some of the preparation for the season. And when the season starts, how do, uh, what type of tours are you running? Um, we run like all kinds of tours. Our tours are always private. So it's only you with your partner or friend um, or with your family joining a tour with us. So we're very flexible in what kind of tours we do. But we mainly do um, yeah three-hour tours to three-day tours. So everything in between. <laughs> um, the short tours are just for people that are here for a short time um, but we try to focus on the on the day tours being out for a full day having lunch over a fire um, and of course the multi-day tours where we sleep in wilderness cabins and yeah really get to know your dogs and the routine and and everything around it ah no that's that's the part that really I'm really enthusiastic about having been out on multi-day yep. trips um, us too <laughs> the seat what's the what's the landscape sorry yeah what's the landscape like around there for these types of trips can you get out up into the mountains as well no because a lot of uh, Lapland um, is reasonably well not flat but it's undulating isn't it up there it we live in quite a, um, an area where there's a lot of variation Compared to where we worked before, there's like everything here. You have a lot of forests, you have the lakes, you have the big swamps and open spaces, and then a lot of hills and nice views um, when we climb the hills, of course. Um, so there's there's a lot of variation, but the real mountains, they are more west of us. We do tours there as well later in the season in spring, but then we need to move there with the trailer. Yeah, so most of your tours would go out from your base there. Exactly, yes. Yeah. And how, how are the trails prepared? Are you preparing the trails yourselves or are the dogs breaking trail at times? Most of the time we prepare the trails ourselves um, because we are in the forest. It's hard to make our own trails. Uh, it's easier in the mountains, but here that's not possible. Um, but of course, if uh, after a snowstorm during the night, yeah, we have to go through a bit of snow, especially on the multi-day tours. We expect a little bit more active uh, people, but on the half-day tours, we prepare the tours, uh, we we prepare the trails beforehand. Um, yeah, so it's it's relatively easy for everyone, yeah. doable. Yeah. I, you just mentioned uh, guests there and it being slightly easier for guests. Um, what can a guest expect when they come to you and they first meet the team? They, uh, yeah, of course, we, we, we get to know each other. We, we show them the dogs and yeah, they, they, the guests see quite easily that the dogs are very cute and <laughs> they love to cuddle. <laughs> um and and yeah we get we we make sure we are warm we and then we do the safety instructions we let the guests know how to drive a sled and we harness the dogs together so everyone gets to know and gets to feel 
their dogs, kind of, and then we go out. So in the beginning, it's... And every everyone's got their own dog sled team. Exactly. Like, we can do the short tours where they sit on our sled, but we prefer that everyone drives their, slo- um, their sled, maybe with two people so they can share driving. But it's, it's way more fun for everyone. And um, everyone can do it, basically. It's just in the beginning, everyone is a bit nervous. That's normal. But as soon as you're out for a kilometer, you get the feeling and it's nice. Yeah, everyone, everyone. And, and who, who, may, who makes the best mushers? <laughs> who makes the best mushers? Ah, probably the children, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. They're not thinking and they're not afraid, yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Yes, or people like if if you're if you're just a bit sporty, of course it's easier for you. Uh, if if you're skiing or doing a sport like that, yeah, you you notice that those people have it a bit easier. But that doesn't matter. Like you, even even people that sit behind the desk all day, they can they can come dog sledding. They can learn it. Uh, how many dogs do you run for a sled? Um, it depends on the conditions, of course. Icy trails um, is very different as when you have 20 centimeters of new snow. Uh, of course, also the persons yeah. is very, um, you have very different persons and um, people are a bit heavier or lighter, but also we need to make sure that you feel safe behind the sled. Um, so if that means that you have less dogs, that's fine for us. We take a few breaks more. Uh, so safety comes first there, but n- quite normal is five or six dogs for two people, and uh, yeah, around four dogs for one person. The tours are going out from the lodge there. Are they fairly fixed routes that you take, or are you willing to push the boundaries and explore different ways to get out to different cabins? And do the dogs know the routes well? So we have the we have fixed cabins, so we need to get there. But we can take the easy way. We can. Um, if, if there's a lot of snow and we know it's going to be heavy or when it's very cold, we can take the easy way. But if there are some active people there that go climbing in their free time, yes, we push our boundaries and their boundaries. We go a bit further. We, we maybe climb that hill and have a nice viewpoint and have lunch there. And yeah, we, we do a little bit more there then. But otherwise, we have, we have the routes that we want to take, but sometimes we variate a bit, yeah. I think that's really good that what you're emphasizing there is that it's really personal depending on the people that you've got with you at the time and how they're responding with the dogs and their own sled. And I think that's such a nice thing. It's just not a a dog sledding by numbers type of experience. You're you're really taking them out there and giving them the best experience they can get. Yeah, we try to. Yes, of course. Um, here's a question then. What I've got to ask about what about crashes? Because I know I've had a few out there on dog sleds. But but real cl- crashes or just falling? <laughs> because a real crash doesn't happen so often. <laughs> Both. Okay. <laughs> but uh, it. No. Real. Yeah, that's true. Real crashes don't happen so often. That's very true. <laughs> but there is quite a big chance that you will fall from the sled, and this ha- this is not a problem and happens to many people. And it's a soft landing in the snow. You have a laugh and then you get on again. I mean, it's nothing to be afraid of and nothing to be ashamed of as well. Uh, I'm still falling sometimes if I go. So long as the dogs have not run Exactly. Uh, yes. I've even fall sometimes. 
when I go into the mountains, um, there's a bit more difficult terrain I fall, but the most important thing I hold on um, to my, my, my dog sled and yeah, then you get on again. Yeah. You get out to the wilderness cabin and the dogs are running in all weather conditions and they've spent the day, what, four, five, six hours, maybe dog sledding with lunch. What's kind of the routine once you've got in? I'm thinking that your guests obviously to get maximize the experience they're going to have to perhaps look after the dogs or you know how does it work once you've got out somewhere to a cabin so when we arrive at the cabin it's always dogs first they they did a lot of hard work and uh yeah they deserve a nice bed so we prepare a nice bed for them they get some straw they maybe get a dog jacket and they get a snack so they are they're kind of good for the night they only need to be fed later on um, yeah and then we go into the cabin it's still cold there so we need to heat it up we make a fire we chop wood we get water from the well or we melt snow so it's a lot of yeah hands-on uh, but everyone loves it like it's it's just a super nice it's part of the experience to do that we heat up the sauna together and then we go in afterwards like it's, it's just part of the routine and yeah it's it's super nice <laughs> Can you explain a little bit more about the atmosphere then out in there in nature? Because wintertime in nature is, I mean, look, we're a wildlife and wilderness yeah. company. Much of what we've podcasted on so far has been the wildlife. Um, I'm really keen that we uh, share kind of some of the experiences in winter in nature. Um, can you give us a feeling of what that's like? Well, what it's like, it's it's most likely dark, um, but but I mean, you you come outside, you there's there's snow everywhere. You have the snow on the trees. Uh, if you walk through the snow, you just hear your footsteps cracking on the snow. Uh, you have, of course, the stars or the aurora if you're lucky. Um, and then and then inside you have the warm cabin, the candle candles because there's no electricity. Um, you just spending time there with your family or friends uh, you make dinner on the fire um, you curl up in your sleeping bag after yeah after a long day outside it's just a whole different atmosphere there but it's it's like it's just you're just there alone and you know it you hear the dogs maybe howling and yeah it's it's kind of magical it's very different of what everyone is used to experience yeah but for you it's almost normality why do you love it so much <laughs> um <laughs> well i i just love just being standing on the sled behind my dogs i'm just hearing the the sled gliding over the snow the dogs panting and yeah knowing that they are having the time of their life and 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 me too like just looking around you seeing the nature and and yeah, just being there all by yourself or with some guests, but just experiencing that that wilderness feeling and and being active outside. Yeah, I I just I just love it. It's hard to explain, but I just have a big passion for it. And and when people come here, they understand. They they see it with their own eyes and experience it. Then yeah. <laughs> I think for for me, what I've experienced in the past is that the the dogs are like crazy at the beginning they're really barking they're wanting them to get going and then you're off yes not to whatever kilometers an hour straight away and the sleds run so quiet far far quieter than say downhill skis on a ski slope or anything like that they just run so quiet and that really 
is perhaps the best way to connect and travel through nature at that time of the year, I think. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like there's no, there's no other, of course, if you stand still, there is a little bit of barking maybe. So, but if you're just gliding on the sled, yeah, you don't hear so much. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's beautiful. You don't have an engine. You don't have the smell of, of fuel, maybe the smell of dog poop, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very natural way of, of transporting. No, absolutely. Um, what's been your most memorable tour or some of your most memorable tours and why have they been as such? I think it is the tour that Eric and I did together because we explored some new trails um, in the mountains and we just got 10 dogs each. We packed the sled with a lot of dog food and with a big tent and a big sleeping bag. And we went out, explored trails and we we got into some beautiful areas um some tricky parts as well that we got through but it's it was so beautiful make that made our own trails um yeah it, it's we had the most beautiful weather we were camping we had our struggles getting water but you you overcome them it was it was just magical holiday kind of it was only four or five days but a very good time yeah and that was in the high mountains so you traveled out somewhere to do a, a trip yeah exactly exactly yeah and any interesting or funny events on tour? I'm sure there must have been a few. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, let me think. I think a lot of things, like the dogs always amaze me. Like if you come to a point where you feel unsure about a situation or where you are, or like the dogs know what to do and help you through it. Like that, that makes me confident as well to have my dogs there with me. And a few years ago, I did a bit different tour than normal with my guests. And it turned out to be quite long. And I saw that the dogs and my guests were tired and wanted to go home. And we were on the way back already on the river. I knew it was around 15 kilometers more to the lodge. But when I wanted to take the turn, my lead dog said, no, I don't want to go in there. So, <laughs> so I was like, okay. In Maybe I'm wrong then. I only took this route two, three times. So maybe maybe we have to go straight ahead. Let, let's go there then. I trust you. And then a few kilometers later, I thought, okay, I'm wrong here. This is just bare ice. I can't turn around. What do I do? I have guests behind me. <laughs> and I called for help and they said, oh, well, you know, you come to the village close to the lodge then if you follow the river. It's like, oh, okay, that's good. Let's go, <laughs> go there then. And in the end, the lead dog decided to do a 10 kilometer shortcut. So it was a lot shorter way to the lodge. I never driven there. The dog's probably never driven there, but he knew it kind of. So I find it very interesting to to see how, how he knows these kind of things. And yeah. The, the sense of the dog is, yeah, really intelligent and working things out. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, talking yeah. of dogs then like that, is it easy to train them for direction and what they're doing? Obviously, they've got to get used to the sleds when you start them. You're running the puppies next year, well, bringing the puppies on to run next year. How much training is there to train a dog that it knows to run with the rest of the team and what its duties are? And how does a dog become a lead dog? So we start training the puppies when they're around uh, seven, eight months old. And we just do short runs um, in front of the sled and we build this up and in the autumn, 
they can run with uh, the rest of the pack. And some dogs, they really have, you really see that they can have this, this, this drive to run up front and we try them out and then they te they learn from the old dogs they run from the they learn from the the leaders they learn commands they learn to stand still not turn around the whole team and uh, yeah, that's how you train them to be good leaders as well and yeah just go from there so they're copying from a, a good lead dog effectively Ideally, yes. Of course, if you don't have a good lead dog, you you need to think of other things. But it's it's dogs. They they can learn in very different ways. Uh, you just need to be creative. You can go in the forest in the in the summer with just a single dog and go through the trees and learn the commands. Um, yeah, stuff like that is possible as well. Yeah. Still a lot of work involved. Yes. And it's probably work behind the scenes that people don't even realize goes on much of the time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what are your hopes for the future and thoughts for the future with the business uh, and with the dogs clearly you love the dogs yes i mean of course we we love to stay this size we love to we just want to keep the business with around 30 dogs with just the, the two of us running it um and then focusing on the longer tours on the day tours and, and multi-day tours and yeah just enjoying nature enjoying being out and trying to have this lifestyle as long as possible yeah <laughs> that's really nice and i think you've got a very special place up there in that part of the world as well uh one final word on dog sledding oh <laughs> um yeah well we hope to see you at yellow snow husky tours um yeah for a very unique experience and yeah share our passion with you that's great uh, so the word is come and try it. Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Thanks very much, Sana. It's been really nice talking with you. Thank you. <laughs> Winter in Lapland is truly magical with subtle changes throughout the season. From the first snows to the blue light of deep winter to trees bent double under the weight of snow. If you've never been, then let us take you there. We can't recommend dog sledding trips enough. Remember to subscribe and share this episode. And if you're thinking of a winter adventure, visit our website at wildlifewilderness.com. And if you've any comments, then do email us at podcasts at wildlifewilderness.com. Wildlife and Wilderness is our protected. protected.